0: Thank you for joining us for the lessons from first Nas podcast uh, This past week, I got a phone call from a telephone number that I did not recognize, and uh, trying to be a good pastor, I answered the call in case it was you know a call about an emergency in the life of someone in the first nas family and I was rewarded for that diligence with a uh, conversation with a telemarketer. It, uh, Yes, yes. Um, uh, shout out to all you telemarketers like Joel. Yeah. Uh, the woman on the other end had a very happy voice, and she asked if she could speak with Heather. No one named Heather lives here, I said, but before I could hang up the call, the woman said, well, I may have the wrong name, but I don't have the wrong number, because I'd like to talk with you about supporting blah, blah, blah with a generous monthly gift. I was pretty impressed with how she did her job, and I listened until she was done with her short spiel, and then I answered with my usual response, which is, uh, we give to a number of charities already and are happy with the ones that we've chosen, so no thank you. And my new friend on the other end didn't miss a beat. She said, well, I certainly understand that, so I'll just get out to you a one-time contribution commitment card instead. And I'm sure we can count on you for that. So what's your uh, address and telephone number? I told her she already had my telephone number and I neglected to give her my address. Now I know that that lady was really just working hard, just doing her job, trying to make a living. So I let her down pretty easy. But don't you just hate it when somebody calls and acts like they care about you? when what they really care about is just making a sale? Or how about the high-pressure sales techniques that make you feel like you're a jerk if you say no? My wife will tell you that I am an easy mark for those people, and I think she's wrong. But I do occasionally subscribe to some magazines that I have no interest in whatsoever, so maybe she's right. Yeah. In, in, all dif- in, all fairness, in all fairness, the last person who came to the door to sell me a subscription, had one arm. You are not saying no to a little boy with one arm when he asks you to buy a magazine, okay? So, yeah. As I was thinking about all of this, you know, the, the high-pressure sales and all of that the other day, I, uh, I, I turned to my daily Bible reading, and right now I'm reading from the Bible's New Testament book titled First Corinthians, And in the part of the letter that I was ready to read that day, Paul made some rather potent claims about his own preaching. Essentially, he promised that he would not be a telemarketer or uh, the ubiquitous used car salesman of American TV and movie fame. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me that I need to be able to make that very same claim. The problem is... I'm a rather passionate person, and um, for the most fact, I enjoy being passionate quite a lot, because it means that when I'm joyful, I'm really joyful, and when I'm excited, I'm really excited, and when I love, I love deeply, but it also means that when I get ticked off, <clears throat> I have a struggle. I have to watch myself, or I'll get my mouth all fired up, and then I start hurting people. So while I usually experience passion as a good thing, I do have to admit that at times it has been a bit of a double-edged sword in my life. One of the things that I am most passionate about is the gospel of Jesus. And what I mean by the gospel of Jesus is the good news that the God has provided a way for us to be forgiven of our sins, to be transformed from the heart level outward, and for us to then be so changed that we're able to finally have healthy relationship with God and with the people around us. And the thing that God did to make that possible is he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that we might be forgiven for our sins. And then he resurrected him from the dead, showing that it is possible to have an all completely new kind of life. And the same life that brought back Jesus Christ from the dead can bring our bodies back from the dead as well and cause us to live like Jesus did in this life. I'm passionate about that message. It's a pretty amazing message, I think, and so when I start talking about it, I tend to get amped up about it, and I tend to go on and on and on, as you all are painfully aware from listening to sermons week after week after week. So I have to be careful not to use my passion to try to sell people on Jesus and the gospel message. Be- being convinced of the power of this message to literally revolutionize people's lives, I-, I often find myself searching, grasping for fresh ways to communicate its truth. I think that's okay. I'm always on the hunt for a turn of phrase or or a gripping story or some video clip or some song lyrics that just provide the right amount of punch to gain the gospel a hearing but if I am relying on those things instead of the power of the message itself, I am putting myself in the way of the gospel. That's why Paul's letter to the Corinthians stopped me in my tracks this week. As I read it, God challenged me to actually believe it, to just take this message at face value and then act upon it by deciding not to preach much today, to just read this passage and let him speak to you through it. So I want to read to you from Paul's letter, his first letter to the Corinthians. I'm going to read a longer section of Scripture than I typically would during a sermon, so I'm not going to ask you to stand up for all of that. And while it's a longer passage than I typically would read in a sermon, I honestly don't have much sermon today, so I think it should balance out just about right. Will you consider what I read to you from the Bible today. And if you sense that God is trying to speak to you through that reading, will you then make a decision about how you're going to act because of what God's saying to you? Here's Paul's message, but first let's pray and ask him to kind of open our hearts and minds. Would you, Lord, like you have so many times before, open our hearts and minds to be able to hear your voice? For most of us, our ears will work well enough to hear the words. And the question is whether our hearts and minds will really be receptive to what you're trying to communicate to us today. Help us, Lord. Not to get on autopilot if we've heard this message before. Not to turn a deaf ear to what your spirit might be trying to say. Speak, Lord. We are listening. Amen. I'm reading to you from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 17. The Apostle Paul writes, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, and here he quotes from the Old Testament, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom didn't know him, God was pleased through, here's my favorite phrase in all of the Bible, the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is, Righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul continues, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, And what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Paul said that he wasn't going to try to verbally back people into a corner by making clever arguments said that he wasn't going to try to impress people by becoming super eloquent. He wasn't going to try to emotionally manipulate people into believing in Jesus. Instead, he said this, Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to be crucified rather than to allow us to be punished for our sins. The power of the gospel,